0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the Air. Welcome to Wo, Women on Air, a podcast celebrating and championing women who are taking risks, making waves and challenging the status quo in their fields. Join me as I interview women making their mark in communities all over New Zealand. They're innovators, leaders, changemakers, creatives, movers and shakers, and general boat rockers. Listen in as we get exclusive intel about the successes, the speed bumps, the tangents, and the tips that got these amazing women to where they are today. Welcome to Episode 4. In this week's episode, I'm talking with Laura Borodow and Adrian Buckingham about the key concepts this show is based around challenging the status quo, boat rocking, and risk taking. Adrian is an educator, mother of three, with a serious interest in well being. She has a master's in psychology pending and one of life's enthusiasts. Adrian spends a lot of time on social media and taking Bollywood dance. You can find her at Loudmouth Blabbing on Instagram or on her website by the same name. Laura is a teacher, mother and writer in Ototake, New Zealand. She is one of this year's BOMA Ed Fellows and her education of short stories, Sex with Animals, came out last year. So welcome both of you. It's a pleasure to be here. Kia ora Rowan. Well, um, let's get stuck into having a chat about challenging the status quo. Um, I'm really interested to hear what that phrase means to both of you. What does it mean to you, Adrian? challenging the status quo?
1: I think when we're looking at the status quo, how things are just going is what people do unconsciously. We do it out of habit. Uh, We did it because our parents did it. We did it because that's the way it's always been done. And I don't think it takes that much to go why are we doing it like this? And does it warrant carrying on like this?
0: How about you, Laura? What are your thoughts? I think it just means not
2: accepting what, what you don't like. It's looking at, as you say, Adrian, looking at what's just happening unconsciously with a more conscious perspective and saying, well, is this what we want? And if it isn't, making it change.
1: And there is so much about the status quo that's so average. Like it's just people taking the path of least resistance and it's like a committee by horse. So
2: And I think, Adrian, like it's we're all mothers and we've all got youngish children. And you can I can see that in my own parenting sometimes where I'm just like, oh, and in my own teaching where it's today it's easy and I I haven't slept well and I haven't eaten optimally and mm-hmm. I'm just doing what's easiest and then it's actually really an effort to go back and say no that's yes that's the status quo that's just how things are going but it's not how things should
1: go i should do that differently but you want to be careful not to all over yourself because (laughs) (laughs) it really we've got some unrealistic expectations about striving all the time and achieving up here and actually there has to be a little bit of routine um Which doesn't necessarily mean status quo. It doesn't, but I think I can get awfully like,
2: oh, oh, I'm allowed to lower my expectation somehow. And then Mm -hmm. somehow, sometimes I'm like, oh, well, whoops, that's slipped into permanency rather than that's Mm -hmm. okay for today. And I really need to go, yeah, it is okay for a day or it is okay for a Mm -hmm. period of time, but actually
1: my standards for myself um, can't, can't be in that level all the time. No, but it's so much about pouring from an empty cup, isn't it? Like If you have the good night's sleep and the food and the resources, and I mean time and money to get your needs met, then yeah, you can show up as the best version of yourself on a daily basis. But as a single parent and being in an education system that is built on broken, tired people and unpaid work. You know, it's not—it's not the healthiest position to put people in to be achieving at their best. But isn't that the status quo that we
2: need to then challenge? That people are oh, yeah. running on <laughs> empty, people are tired, people are trying their best, but actually we don't have villages to raise children anymore, and we're—we're we're really, as you say, pouring from an empty cup. Like that is and the it, status quo that we need to challenge,
1: right? It mm. is not
0: good enough. Mm. We're challenging the status quo to me, also requires the the ability to have some headspace to realize the quo needs to be challenged. Mm. Well, to see the quo. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It requires space and silence.
0: Yeah, yeah, to step back and say, okay, hang on, this is the way we've always been doing things and it's been working okay, Um, but do I want to keep... Um, you know is okay good enough now you know the the status quo used to be the best thing Mm. Um, and then as things as life changes around us the status quo tends to become Mm. sub-optimal but um, yeah the ability to have the headspace to reflect on that and go actually maybe I want to lift the standard a bit Mm. or change direction Mm -hmm. requires some kind of headspace and time that we tend not to have so that's Mm -hmm. why we keep Yeah, even
2: this weekend I've managed to, my children are at their grandmother's and I've gotten in my car and I've driven away from my home and all my animals and my partner and all my responsibilities and I don't really have to do anything and it's, 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 I spend a lot of time in the car but that's actually really useful just to give yourself the physical and mental distance to look back and say what is, what is good, what is working, what do I need to change?
1: Yeah, that space and physical space is emotional space, isn't it?
0: Especially Mm. from
2: children.
1: Mm. (laughs) Do you think that
0: that's something that if you realize or have the opportunity, you know, with some space, you might be away for a conference or you might be, you know, out for a walk even, and you can look back metaphorically to the other space you've just left and realize, huh, actually, I wouldn't mind changing certain things. Do you think that's part of, um, you know, a strategy that people could use to actually, you know, when you go have a meeting and you decide to have it in a different place or a different space because it does help the mindset, do you think that's a requirement Mm -hmm. in the ability to see what needs to be changed in a status quo?
2: I think you need to change the dynamic somehow um, in in physical space or do that.
1: Mm -hmm. Or change the perspective. It reminds me of that one yoga pose where the one I can do where you lie on the floor and you put your legs up the wall and you're supposed to get a different perspective on the room. And I think you can probably do that with a headstand as well, but I don't do headstands. Um, But the whole thought is you just look at the world from a different perspective. You get different information and different solutions as a result.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's something I've done as a teacher in a writing workshop with students. You know, you, um, especially when you're trying to get people to think differently or they tend to be writing the same thing all the time to just say, well, why don't you go and do that outside today or sit under the table Mm -hmm. instead of at the table. Um, Mm -hmm. Just that ability of looking at the same world but from a different angle can help Mm -hmm. you get a different perspective or see how you might do things differently.
1: It sounds so simple, but it's not easy. Well, I
0: was just going to say, Adrienne, I think it's
2: such a challenge for women in particular, because we don't, as a society, really allow women to have that space. You shouldn't want to be away from your children. You shouldn't want to be away from your partner or your house. All those caregiving expectations add a layer of, well, you shouldn't need distance from this because your job is to be that central caregiving hub for that group.
1: Yeah, this is your purpose.
2: And I think teaching, because we're all teachers as well, does that too, where you become uh, a focal point for students' emotions and staff's emotions uh-huh. and, and the the things that are happening for them as well.
1: We are holding space for other people's experiences all the time, and that doesn't leave a lot of room for our own experience.
2: Some of um, – in the past, some of it – even, I think um, – Going to, like, a therapist or a counsellor, which I've done in the past, has been – it's one of my biggest recommendations for people is go talk to someone else, yeah. not your friends, not not people who mm-hmm. um, have to hold space in a way that is emotionally intense for them, but somebody who's paid to do it and supported to do it, and they can really enable you to step away from having to be the controller or the – at the top of that pyramid and really allow yourself to kind of slump down to the bottom of it and – be in a different place, they can really encourage different perspectives, I think.
1: And challenge what you think are normal assumptions or expectations that the people who love us often also hold of us as well. And going, actually, maybe what you think you're supposed to be like in this relationship or in this job isn't valid. And sometimes you need that complete outside perspective. I went to a counselor last week, actually. And she, at the end of it, I was like, should I have asked her how she was? And then I was like, all right, no, no. That, the whole point is that hour is for me to go, here's all the information um, and pick through
2: it. I, um, I did the Dare to Lead course last year in Christchurch and I loved it. And one of my biggest takeaways was the strategy that I now use all the time, where um, where you step back and you say, the story I've told myself or the story I'm telling myself is this. And then you really interrogate that to think about whether that's actually the truth. So somebody you know, somebody walks in the room and they don't say hello to you. The story I'm telling myself is they don't like me or I've done something or there's something wrong with me, um, but actually they haven't had their coffee yet that morning or they've just had an argument with their kids on the way in the car or whatever it is. And it's really enabled me to go, yes, you have this one perspective. Yes, you're seeing this as, this, as the status quo, I guess, but actually if you take a step back, there's a whole other layer behind that that you can release from yourself it's not actually necessarily about you it's Mm
1: -hmm. that's
2: just the story that you're
1: telling yourself but you've got to surrender two things to do that successfully the first is our narcissistic tendencies to think everything is about us Mm -hmm. and then the second bit and this is maybe like the harder bit for me it's that bit where I like to be right like I know they're behaving like this because of that and actually let's go with there's maybe eleven different narratives here, and this is one of many. Mm. It's not the truth,
0: and that's why I think you know, if you're someone who feels like there's a need to change something, and you you know, you, the status quo isn't sitting right with you anymore, it's that ability to be curious first instead of say, mm. I know what needs mm. to change. It's mm-hmm. about asking and ta- you know, being curious about well, what is it that's not sitting right with me? What is it mm-hmm. about this? for you as well you know go and talk to a few other people and i think um and that's you know good leadership is also surrounding yourself with people who do challenge your thinking Mm -hmm. um i think the worst thing you can do is surround yourself with yes people or people who all have the same perspective as you um you know that's i think would be irresponsible Mm -hmm. you know in a in a leadership role
1: irresponsible but so tempting and so many people do it they want to be validated Oh, we all want to be validated. It's
2: mm. just its its just if it's real validation or kind of sycophantic validation, isn't it? It's
0: yeah. Ooh, of that, that word. I know, oh, you can tell I'm an English teacher. <laughs> 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 so I'm thinking about, because we're talking about challenging the status quo quite easily as three people who I think tend to do that quite a lot. But there's certain connotations that when you say that phrase, Um, that people think, you know, or maybe I'm mind reading or I'm making assumptions, but the story I I tell (laughs) (laughs) myself is that when I say challenging the status quo, I think that people um, think that you're going to take all, throw the baby out with the bathwater is a phrase that Mm -hmm. I've heard said back to me a lot, which I abhor because Mm. it's the fear of taking, disregarding the good stuff that's part of the status quo and leaving nothing that, you know, like checking out things that people love in the favor of something new just for the sake of change.
2: I, I, I know that um, I can be perceived as challenging or disruptive sometimes, and I know that I have, a, <laughs> I have a habit of walking into the senior leader's office at school and then groaning because I, my principal <laughs> said to me the other day, You've come in with that look on your face. How much is it going to cost me?
1: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. So I think um, th- that can also be quite difficult when you be- when the perception of – because I actually think I came in with something quite reasonable in that particular mm-hmm. occasion. Um, but when the perception of you becomes that everything you do will challenge um, ch- as opposed to reinforce or mm. um, support mm. or – you know, take a new perspective on something.
1: Mm. Yeah, for a long time I was referenced as the resident feminist in my workplace. <laughs> um, so you can imagine how well any opinion I had went down um, because immediately you had a mostly, it was a male-dominated workplace going, all right, go for it, Adrian. what's the problem? <laughs> and going, like, I'm the crazy one. Mm. Like, actually, I wasn't even going gender here. I was actually going to just talk about common sense or, but there's always this expectation that I'll be critiquing the same thing. And it's whatever they're they're most uncomfortable uncomfortable about, about who I am, not even about how things are happening there.
2: And there's a perception that viewpoints like feminism are really extreme. But actually, when you boil them down, they're really foundational to the ideas that we've actually Mm -hmm. built. That, that everybody's equal. like it's, that it's not actually an extreme point of view, but you get branded as an extremist when you label yourself in those ways.
1: Uh-huh. And I, how many times have I tried to explain to children and adults alike, like the patriarchy, the systems in place, punish boys and men as well as women. It's not good for anybody. It's just bad differently.
2: Mm. The irony is that we actually work in a female dominated industry where all have started as English teachers and there are more female English teachers than, you know, mm-hmm. anything else. And, but we often then come up against male leadership, I think, mm. uh, or, or structures mm. certainly that support mm-hmm. um, something
1: else, something
2: other than me. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, it is a female dominated industry, but it, the leadership is dominated by men.
0: Still? still yeah, 2021 and so when you think about you know times where you've personally tried to challenge something that's been in place for a long time because you feel like it needs to be different of equity's sake you know thinking about students you might be trying to support or teachers or colleagues and um, you might be trying to support how is challenging the status quo a different experience for men than women than in your own experience as a woman. But, you know, what do you th- What are your thoughts on that, the ability of, of different I groups. think I get a lot more freedom.
1: I think that I have permission to object in a way that a lot of men don't. Um, but those objections
2: me. may not be upheld in the same way. You're yeah. allowed to have them, but are we going to act on them?
1: Oh no. I mean, I mean I'm no, not saying they listen to me.. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 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 I'm
0: snorting now <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you think about I mean again, this is the story I'm telling myself. Mm. <laughs> it might be the catchphrase of this episode, but it's such a useful phrase. It is. I yeah. um, very Brene Brown, um, one of my favorite. Leaders, But, you know, the story I'm telling myself is when I hear the phrase um, come out of a woman's mouth as opposed to coming out of a man's mouth. When you associate, if a man says, I'm going to, I want to challenge the status quo here. I, I want to challenge this thinking as opposed mm-hmm. to a woman. People react differently what a leader. in my How perception. Impressive. Yeah, there's a different.
2: Um, mm. Mina, I think there's a difference in that. are seemed to challenge the system or the the the. The thing whereas mm. women are seen to challenge people,
0: yeah, and maybe mm.
2: there's a um, because we're seen as people oriented or our whole thing is relationships, mm. so when you offer a challenge, you're actually challenging the relationship rather than the product or the process. and I think there's a real inherent danger in that because um, it's
1: an unfair assumption. Mm. I have a year 13 student and she summed it up beautifully, she's half my age, less than half my age, and she went, You know, the boys I know. Need to learn that being challenged isn't the same as being attacked, mm. Mm. and she often feels that when she voices something, that people put up their armor because it's a personal attack when it's n- not meant to be.
0: Yeah, agree. Mm. Yeah, and I think you're right, Laura. Like the the experience I've had does feel like when I've tried to. Um, critique you know the way something's being done um, you know so wherever I've worked you know why I might say so why why do we do that yeah. this way here tell me more about where this came from or why this system's in place um, but often it can it feels to me like people react in a way where they're thinking I'm critiquing or challenging the very people who established that system and taking it personally rather than just looking at, is this the best way for us to do things mm-hmm. now that we may have new people, you know, new clientele you know, and it no longer fits the purpose or something, but it is taken you know, more personally, perhaps because you know, as a w- woman, we're seen we're meant to be nurturing mm-hmm. relationships, as you say, mm-hmm. rather than being allowed to just be objective about a system or a process. It's also such
1: a personal industry that we're in. Industry—that's not even the right word. Well, I think education. it is the right word, though, mm-hmm. Adrian. Exactly. It? Okay. I do an institution, institution <laughs> industry. <laughs> um, it's so personal, and people invest so much of themselves and so much not just of their work time but their leisure time and their identity that if you're critiquing what they've invested so much in you are it does feel like a critique of them because they can't separate out the job from the personal identity and the thing that the fact that things change over time that actually this was a really good solution 2 or 3 years ago But we're not a sausage factory, we shouldn't be turning out the same product identically by hundreds over several years, like we actually need to respond and change and redirect. And we're more like, you know, sailing a ship rather than trying to squish students through an education system into little boxes that come out on the other side.
2: I, I work in quite an interesting school where we kind of pride ourselves on being a bit radical and being, being innovative. And one of our challenges is that we change things so often that we can't keep up with them. So um, we have had a new timetable, and which doesn't, it is actually a new timetable structure. So the way the, the time blocks work and the start finish times, where the lunches are, everything changes every year. And in fact, last year, due to lockdowns and various things, we actually had by the end of the year, we've had, we had four different, radically different timetables over the year. And it made, um, I things really difficult, actually. I've seen this diagram that looks like an infinity symbol of innovation versus kind of stability and the way that you actually need both of those things in a system to make them work. If you want to innovate, you need to do it from a place of stability, but, um, Innovation—it won't work without the other one. You need you mm-hmm. need both of them to work in harmony. So,
1: mm-hmm. um, I don't really know
2: where I'm going with it, but it, well, it, from if, a psychological—well,
1: like, mm, that sounds like the systems approach. But from the psychological approach, that's exactly Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You need security before you can self-actualize. You can't take risks to thrive until you're surviving. Mm,
0: mm. But then, how does that explain the? Innovation, for example, that comes out of things like natural disasters. So I think of Christchurch post earthquake, where there was so much instability in everyone's lives and including the physical environment. And yet out of that adversity came innovation because it was Mm. was it just a necessity? I mean, that's the
2: cycle as you go into innovation and then that innovation almost crystallizes into something solid and then from that solid point you can reevaluate and go, right, well we need to innovate again. But I mean, a lot of innovation came out of Christchurch, but also a lot of trauma. Like, and Absolutely. actually, as teachers, mm-hmm. we're now, as a high school teacher particularly, that's, those kids are now in our classrooms mm. and um, changing the metaphorical landscape of how we, we deal with them because, it's, uh, because that, that physical landscape mm. it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah They're a really different group of young people than I've ever taught.
0: Yeah, and now that we've also gone through and are still going through COVID times, again, there's so much trauma and, and it looks so different um, to so many different people in their context that that's something that really we're all going to need support with as teachers to take a trauma-informed approach to how we mm-hmm. you know, relate to and work with young people mm-hmm. and each other.
2: You know, I was just, then, I'm just thinking about that stability innovation mm. thing. It's actually what we ask students to do all the time as well with taking risk. Like mm. we, we want them to push out the boat on what they do with their writing or, or speech making or, or any of their ideas that we are asking them to take risk, but they actually really need that stable foundation before they do that. Mm. Um, and I'm just thinking about that from a parenting perspective as well, that like as you were saying before, I, we need stability, we need routine, we need mm. that stuff in our lives. And that's, I'm really proud of my kids and I feel like they are, risk-takers in a lot of their creative avenues. but And I wonder if that's because I've tried so hard to um, give them stability at home. There's a real mm-hmm. everything, you know, things work the way they work at home and the kids are never surprised by that. It's always it's very routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think having that platform enables mm-hmm. them to be risk-takers, to challenge mm-hmm. some of those status quos because – they know they've got a safe place to go back to.
0: That's so important, isn't it? The knowledge that there is safety in your risk taking, there is mm-hmm. some kind of safety net, whether it's psychological safety with the people you're working with, um, or it's the environmental security mm-hmm. that you know that after this period of risk taking, there will also be routine around the edges. You know that you know, yeah, yeah that that balance, knowing yeah. that's there, means that you might take even better more adventurous risks if you know that you can come back to some continuity.
2: Yeah. And if you're shaky with adrenaline, there's someone Mm. to put their arms around you, you know, metaphorically Mm. or literally. It's
0: Mm.
1: important. And I think you can see it when you have students in front of you or colleagues that don't have that, that don't have that sense of security and safety at home. They are much more difficult to work with. And that's really the best thing we can offer as educators for our young people is that unconditional relationship and go, actually the learning, I'm going to like you either way. It doesn't matter if you get an achieved or a merit or an excellence, I'm still going to be here trying to teach you. And they need that consistency and that relationship without conditions because they don't have it somewhere else
2: it's I you know I often think about those Maslow's needs things in my classroom when I'm like these kids are in a state of crisis or you know because often kids will come to you with a thing that is you can see is going on in their life or is having a massive impact on them and it's why am I trying to teach you this language convention right now when actually what you need is you haven't eaten Mm -hmm. today you or um you've had no sleep or this Mm -hmm. this crazy thing has happened to you and you need something else right now there's a increasing in education it's this pastoral care stuff that's coming through that we have to get through before we can before they can challenge the status quo if we go back Mm -hmm. to that like they can't do that unless they're um fed and warm and safe and
0: yeah if you're in what are we doing
1: trying to teach kids french verbs when they have like a meeting with Aralangata Amariki next week and have to talk to their deadbeat caregiver or mm-hmm. ex-caregiver, ex-caregiver about, about how their life has been impacted. By the way, don't worry about your
0: mocks. Like, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
0: Yeah, that is, that is so hard. Yeah, It's a real juggle. It's a real balancing act. As you say, if, if you've got students in your class who are in fight, flight, or freeze hmm. mode, um, to try and you know ensure that all students are in a mental state capable of accessing their prefrontal cortex to actually learn anything. I mean, it's the first thing you've got to check every day before you just launch in, isn't it?
1: And so often they're offline anyway because the brains are under development
0: mm-hmm. Yeah <laughs> It's a real challenge. I mean, have you if you think about um, times when you have managed to, Bring in a change or um, you know challenge something that you think isn't right anymore and needs to be you know updated. How do you bring people with you? What is your strategy if you think okay, I think this needs to change? What do you do next?
2: Oh, I've got two modes and one's nice and one's not. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> Look at
2: Adrian. Go good. on then. Um, yeah. to I, Like I, I my teaching practice comes very much from a relational oh. position, so um I don't feel like I'm the dominant authority in my classroom but everybody they they know me they trust me I know them I trust them and we can work together from that position They're, we're working collaboratively so I think the first thing that I will try and trying to bring about a change is is using my relationships who who am I working well with how can I do we can we discuss it can we just kind of you know talk it through and see if there's a common need there um And if I can't get that, then I kind of just get quite, not aggressive, I think I'm still polite, but I do get more forceful about it, which doesn't work, by the way. (laughs) Just FYI. (laughs) But I get to the point where I'm like, no, I need to actually draw my line in the sand. Yeah, I, uh, uh,
1: Mm.
2: I can't rest on that, and I need that to be really clear, which I think is an unpleasant part of my personality.
1: The story I tell myself. (laughs) I would also argue the useful part of your personality. Mm, Possibly,
0: (laughs) it depends which side of the fence you're on. What about you, Adrian? Right from when I was was young, young, my sorry. No, yeah. I mean, I think you're about to say, that. what about you? (laughs) Uh,
1: Right from when I was young, my dad had labelled me an agent for change. That's That's not not a compliment, necessarily. Um, and for me, I think I was always really hyper aware if somebody in the room is uncomfortable. And I desperately as a child wanted to feel comfortable. And I look around at a room where people aren't feeling comfortable. And all you have to do is ask people why. And if you're genuinely interested, they'll tell you.
0: Mm. Is that the the kind of, are you saying that's the kind of context for you that sparks your challenge status quo mode? Like when you see people uncomfortable and you wonder, is this because of this situation or the system they're in?
1: Well, my first question is, who's upholding the status quo if it's not working for anybody? Mm -hmm. So I think being really honest about the fact that it's not working for me and then asking other people whether or not it works for them is the first step to deconstructing it.
2: Mm.
1: Going, well, what what are we getting out of this? Because that's why we carry on on something. We, there must be kind of benefit. So what's the benefit? And if it's not me individually, and it's not you individually, how is the system benefiting from the status quo And if nobody is, why are we doing it? And let's just see what happens if we stop. I mean, it it comes from efficiency and laziness. Like, why are you going to make me do this? What happens if I don't do this? How seriously are you going to take this? Mm -hmm. And if I have the spare energy, look what else I can do with it.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think the best way to, as you sort of alluded to, to challenge the status quo to challenge if the quo is still working for everyone is to mm-hmm. take it, like, take the thing away or stop doing the thing mm-hmm. to see if you know the removal of it makes everything else fall down. And we realize, okay, we really did need that system, that process. Doesn't mean that it was working perfectly. It might still need refining or tweaking. But to stop and take things away, often people think to innovate means to add on, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to do more, and. I, you know, and I think I, this—I think that's a misconception potentially about, and the story I tell myself about what people might think about me when I challenge the status quo is they think she's coming along, she wants to add more stuff on, and you know I see in my role as a leader. I mean, the reason I got into leadership was to, you know, I wanted people to make my life easier when I wasn't in that leadership role, mm. and I think it's the job of a leader to make thing to make. It easier for everyone else to do their job and make it enjoyable um, to, for people to get joy out of their work. And if that means taking stuff away and slicing off the bits we don't need, all the extraneous extra steps, and you know, reducing seven clicks to five in mm. a you know in a process on the computer or anything like that, mm-hmm. I'm, that's what I'm all about. But it does mean you have to interrogate the system to work out which bits you can shave off.
1: And people do not like to be interrogated, mm. often because they don't know the answer. We are so obedient. We give up so much power and just roll over and contribute to the systems and institutions without questioning why. One of my favorite bits of research is um, Milgram's study, where they had people in lab coats telling um Participants to press a button to like instill pain on someone. There was no one actually getting on the electric shock, but they could hear an actor on the other side of the wall. And if there was somebody in a lab coat saying, go on, shock them again, turn up, turn up the power, shock them again, the majority of people just went, okay. And they did. And that's, I mean, that's what happened in Germany about 70 years ago. Um, and we think we're so separate from that now but we do what we're told and even the rebels in our society are only just flipping the values rather than challenging them they're just doing the opposite of the status quo rather than deconstructing clearing the landscape and rebuilding
2: rowan and i were talking earlier adrian about
1: um Children,
2: we've all got children, and how there's that idea that you want um, that, that a good child is an obedient child who does what Ooh. they're told. But we hate to think that a good adult is a is someone who is just mindlessly obedient and does what they're told. But I feel like our society has set up so many traps where we're like, let's teach children how to be obedient, and then and then just blindly hope that they're going to turn into innovative, risk taking adults. But we've never modeled or shown our children how to do that. Um, so I think there's something in that too that we, we grow up being taught to follow rules and being given rules and um, trying to work within those rules, and it's it conditions us into that. And then that other idea that you've touched on, it's like it's death to capitalism, isn't it, that that really to make things work we need to burn it to the ground and make a better system, um, but that that would do such fundamental um the people who benefit from that system are never going to let that happen because it, it, it offers them so much benefit, kind of personally. That, mm-hmm. um, and it's difficult to imagine what would exist then in the void left mm-hmm. behind it and how would we agree on what the new thing would be and how mm-hmm. would we change it.
1: Um, and it would just be a fight to the death for a decade or two. It yeah, would it just be- <laughs> And <laughs> do
0: we want that? Yeah, I, mean, and I guess that's I the mean, fear. That sounds scary. And if people think that is the alternative to challenging the status quo, then they'd rather keep the status quo.
1: Yeah. But
0: I think it's insane that
1: in order to keep our society moving and looking after the children that I teach, I have to spend time with them and work through their trauma and make them feel loved and pay attention to them at the expense of being able to do that with my own children. Mm. No one's going to pay me to pay attention to my children. But if I don't take a day off work to go pay attention to my children, some other educator is going to be cleaning up my parenting mess because I wasn't there emotionally for my child because I was so busy being there for somebody else's children because their parents weren't there because they were both working two jobs.
0: It's yeah, just... so
2: it's a roundabout of let's pass the care to another person and kind of and the poor uh-huh. child is the thing being bundled around. Uh-huh. Um, not sure who's going to be the supportive adult that day. Yeah. I think I really, I'm really keen on, um, I, I like children, I like my children. I'm really keen on children being this kind of agent for change, though. We, um, I, I, run this magazine called English in Aotearoa and it's the English Teachers National Magazine. And um, in our last issue, we had a big feature on student activists because I think that that's a really important um, set of voices that we just have been ignoring. We, like the story we tell ourselves as children have nothing valuable or have told ourselves as a society is that children don't have something valuable to offer us. But actually they've got urgent voices that need to be heard. And they, a lot of them are now just saying, we're not going to be silenced, which is really yeah. awesome. And we did this little feature on some students who are um, really active activists in our community, one of whom was one of the admins from the Christchurch Girls High School group who ch- um, are challenging rape culture in the school culture yeah. in Christchurch, which is really important, and then a couple of climate change activists as well. Yeah. Um, and I, one of the things I love about teaching English is that it has the capacity inside it to encourage that kind of rule-breaking, that kind of challenge. If Let's look at language. How can we use language to, to break down those barriers or to, to offer challenge? How can we do that effectively through communication? How can we bring people on side in those ways? It seems like a subject that, um, yeah, you can be subversive in. You can teach mm. it in a way that mm. um, can bring about change
0: mm.
2: or bring about young people's capacity to make change because – Um, they are the next generation who'll be facing this and we need to support them in making change but also support their capacity to ask for it and and develop it.
0: Mm. I think it's such an important thing for us to be teaching how to critically analyse and reflect and question what's going on around you because now with all the technology available to students where they can if they want to make change they can just get on and do it they don't need help from an adult anymore um so um it's important to then teach the questioning and critiquing techniques and encourage it so that um, you know we might prevent students going on gung-ho you know making changes or um, getting into situations that they um, might not you know might be out of their depth because of their ability yeah. to take action. Um, we've got to back it up with teaching um, the critical, th- critical thinking because they're going to be doing it. Anyway. Yeah.
2: And I think we're talking about this from a perspective of educators, but I think mm. anybody who is working with young people can start to offer those, or, or not just working with, being with, like, mm. your family members or your, the children around you to kind of just offer those questions sometimes. Mm. Do you, was that the right thing to do? Did, did you like how that person spoke? What did you think about? Just allowing them that ability to question mm. and not to have to accept everything that
0: they hear or see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So often I think a lot of people think education or maybe a traditional view is about teaching people the answers. And, Mm. you know, it's so important, you know, now I I see my job is teaching students how to ask questions. Um, You know, the more we can teach questioning, I think the stronger our society will be.
1: I think one of the things I'm really interested in is asking questions of young people. I want to know what they think about it
0: mm.
1: because I was sort of raised in this old traditional, like you do this job for so long and then you become head of department and then you become assistant principal and then you become the principal and you're the principal because you're old and you're wise and you've got white hair.
2: And you probably. And it's the
1: same thing. Oh yeah. Um, and it's the same thing in politics. And in both places, I now want to see people making the calls who will be alive long enough to live with the consequences of their decisions. And that is my criteria for hearing what students have to say, for who I'm going to vote for in an election. I'm like, will you be around to live with the consequences of this decision? I think mm-hmm. that, that matters. matters more than if you were on this planet longer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so would you say I mean with all of this risk taking and questioning and challenging comes a certain level of resilience right because this is not an easy road to take if you're going to be someone who asks questions or tries to make change these things often um, you know have done well it's not going to happen overnight so resilience is a key part of challenging and that sort of level of courage. I mean, talk, what do you think are the elements or hallmarks of resilience in the face of change? What does that look like? You are going to get knocked back and
1: half of it is just accepting that that's how it is. That if you're challenging the status quo, you're coming up against stuff and and when you make impact, that hurts and there's going to be a bit of a knockback. Um, so sort of just going, well, you can't control the outcome. What you can do is have integrity and alignment in how you conduct yourself. And hopefully the rest takes care of itself, but maybe it won't.
0: How do you keep going? Like if it's something that you believe needs to change, and therefore it's probably a, a hard thing. Allies. Yeah, You find
1: people who are going, yeah, I agree. Yep, me too. Also, the absolute mainstay of resilience is having a break, taking a break. And everybody thinks, I'll just work a little longer. I'll just throw in an extra day. No, sit down, do something else. Don't take work home. Watch some TV. Um, And actually change modes, reset, and go again. I, and I think we do this so, so well in sport, but we are terrible at doing it emotionally and intellectually.
2: I, I think as well, mm. there's something to be said. You know how we we're talking about passing the um, the emotional bundle of children around different yeah. adults. There's something to be said for that in a world like the one we're in right now, where there's multiple challenges going on. There's climate, there's gender, there's racism, there's all these different crises that are kind of coming to a head. And then but you actually don't need to be tackling all of them. We need to be able to go, here is the thing you can act on. So I'm, you know, I'm who I am. What is the challenge that I can make the most impact on? I'm going to yeah. focus there and I'm going to trust that there will be somebody else doing some focus somewhere else. I can't, uh-huh. I don't have the capacity to do all of it. So I can rest in the in the knowledge that I will do what I can do on the issues that I can make change in, and I can trust in the fact that there will be other people like me in those other areas.
1: And the issues that you want to make change in, just because you can make change in a situation, doesn't mean you should be making change. There's lots of things I could do, but the ones that I want to do is probably where my energy is best invested. One of my good friends um, was a maths teacher, and then she retrained to be an RCMP which is like the military officer in Canada with the red coats and the crazy hats. She says, it's a lot like being a maths teacher, except they give you a gun. And (laughs) she works with um, child protection in terms of child pornography and online child trafficking. And that's what she busts. And I'm like, thank you for doing that work because it's work that needs to be done that I have no business being anywhere near. I just couldn't stomach it. So I'll be over here doing my stuff and you do that stuff there. And hopefully if everyone's doing their little bit, we've got a net of people that are going, we can change the tides. We can change what we allow in our society.
0: That's amazing. I think, um, yeah, I mean, man, this has been such a good conversation. I hope we can have another one um, because this is big stuff, change the world kind of <laughs> level of conversations. I think, I mean, I really want to, I'm really interested in asking you both um, some questions that I ask everyone at the end of this podcast, which I think um, would be a nice way to end this particular discussion as well. Adrian um what would I mean I I have an idea of what you're going to say and it's probably wrong so I'm really interested to hear how you respond to this question
1: and then Um, I want to know what you thought I was going to say (laughs)
0: um what would you rather do steer the boat rock the boat build the boat or something else is swimming off the back of the boat an option totally it's something else
1: (laughs) yeah um I want to be on the boat I definitely want to be on the boat and I don't want to be the only one on the boat. Looking at the horizon, maybe. Mm -hmm.
2: I definitely don't want to be the only one on the boat making the decision. I Mm -hmm. want to have my team around me and we're doing it collaboratively, I think, because I don't, I don't want the ultimate responsibility and I want to make sure everyone's. Um, Yeah. One of my favorite, um, people to think about sometimes is Ernest Shackleton, and I know that sounds weird, but he... I just feel like he was such a. What are you laughing at, Adrian? <laughs>
1: He's like, what a terrible I,
0: role model! Yeah, I was just thinking of all the people. Let's so so I, I get someone hard! Let's keep going! I
2: tried to persuade Rupert, my my husband, if we could call a son Ernest after Shackleton, because when his team got stuck and stuck in the ice and lost down the bottom of the world, he was like, I'm not leaving anymore. He. he mm, he dropped his goal. He was like, "Well, we're not going to get to the South Pole." But my new goal is, "I'm going to get you all home." And they got into those two tiny boats, and they just bloody went out to the ocean. And then they lived under the boats, and he went trekking over the mountains. To I just think, I just think the way that he led his team was so inspirational. Mm-hmm. That they were all about adventure and challenge to begin with, and then he actually became about the safety of his team and how they could work together to keep each other. Happy. And, and I, that, that little story of how um, they came, to, you know, they, they got lost on those islands down in the bottom of the ocean. And it, I just, I find it such a heartwarming story that he could give up on the glory and the valor for the sake of the people in the boat with him.
1: And I think that that's the kind of boat I want to be in. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people gunning for greatness. Actually, it's enough to just try to be good to each other.
2: Yeah. So out of all of those Arctic explorers, um, you've got, what's the Norwegian guy, Arnold, uh, who who made it there. You've got Scott, who died in the attempt. And then you've got Shackleton, who got his team home. Like, Mm. which of those leaders would you rather be following? And for me, it's Shackleton. Mm.
1: For me, it's the women who are at home keeping the fires burning and raising the children. (laughs) I mean, I didn't want to be there, but I'm totally valuing the work they did to make that ridiculous adventure happen
0: so then segueing from there (laughs) which is kind of sorry, i've I've derailed it no no you didn't (laughs) and you know that's we're talking about you know you're a derailleur i like it (laughs) you (laughs) Um, rocked the boat laura (laughs) but you know what's then adrian what would be your top tip for women who might be setting out to launch their big idea or rock the boat in their field
1: don't pretend to be a man i think i spent a lot of time fitting into what i thought was a tough way of being and a strong way of being and it involved a lot of armor and a lot of numbing yourself to feelings i think actually if we are really willing to look at how we feel about things and sit with the sadness or the discomfort or the anger. We can make much more ethical decisions and we can orient the systems to what it means to be human rather than orienting what it means to be human to these systems that have been invented.
0: I love the response, it's amazing. How about you, Laura? What would be a tip from you? Uh,
2: I think it's don't expect it to be easy. We have an expectation that if things are going right, they'll feel good and they will be easy. And sometimes it's not. You can be right in doing the right thing and and feel anxious and um, and nervous and worried and you know, deeply self-reflective about that, full of self-doubt. And that's kind of normal. If you're doing something that's outside the box, it won't feel comfortable. But um, in, in people who make it look comfortable, you know, the story you're telling yourself is that it's comfortable. It might not be on the other side of that. But that that discomfort is often worth it, that you can, you can reach a goal that makes a big difference for people. And then there's that payoff at the end of it, but the process is often not a comfortable one and you need to be okay with it. Mm. And and not expect to, to have that validation necessarily the whole way through.
0: That you, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Wow. No Gosh, thank you so much for this discussion. I cannot believe how time has flown. Um, I wish we could just keep talking for another hour. So I think we might need to do this again. Um yeah, thank you so much for joining me and um we will definitely talk again soon if that's alright with both of you. So
1: alright with me. I love talking to intelligent, fantastic human beings.
0: <laughs> alright, we'll see you next time. Thanks. You have been listening to Wo, Women on Air. You can search for our page on Facebook and we are at Wo underscore podcast on Twitter. New episodes are available from the ORFM Dunedin website, oar.org.nz, and wherever you find your favourite podcasts. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New
1: Zealand On Air.